So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another episode of Sober in the States Baseball. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy, and I am joined by my co-host. He's an Emmy Award winner, and he's now a Sober winner. How are you today, Mr. Trippin' B? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, wonderful to be here on a glorious Tuesday night, basking in the glow of a victory. Just uh, things went my way this weekend. What can I say in Sober MLB? It, it couldn't have been a better setup. Got guys raking all over the ballpark. Got Taiwan Walker striking out dudes, and uh, can't wait to tell to break down this winning lineup. They got first place in rare All Star with, and I, you know, I don't mean to brag, but actually I do. The <laughs> highest score in rare All Star history so far in so rare MLB. So, Ooh, I didn't even podcast. know that. Yeah, there well, you, you know, I, I went back and checked it. You, people can feel free to fact check me on that, but I went back through all the. Uh, Rare all-star winners all the way back to the first time it was offered, I think, in game week four. And 323, 322.36, let's call it. So we'll round down, but feels good, man. The the bats came through, the pitching came through. And I I my whole goal was to prove that I could win by buying stacks and fitting them together and playing mini stacks and getting guys that I felt could be hot, not necessarily always getting the most expensive guy. And it paid off. It actually worked out. So who would have thought? And I know. That's a good point in conversation because our guest today is someone who has all those expensive guys. He's gone completely oh, the other way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our guest also is a so rare winner. I'm the only non so rare winner on the platform here today. Uh, our guest is the one, the only Orange Fly, aka Bob. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. It was fun watching Trippin win that thing because I know he had Jake McCarthy in there. We call him Rake, and I had him in one of my lineups pushing for a win as well. And it was a lot of fun to watch it and just questioning, is he going to get up again? What's he going to do? And then he triples in the ninth inning and scores another run. It's like, this is absolutely wild. And yeah, our RBI single in the seventh to extend that inning, which got him the at bat in the top nine, which he, and he was able to get an RBI triple. So he was just racking up and they were up like 10 runs at the time that he was just <laughs> Rake McCarthy was just raking up points. And it was a beautiful thing, Bob. I know you won the Jake McCarthy super rare the previous week. And that just goes to show how valuable it is that so rare can hand out these MLB rewards before the next game week locks, which is different than on the soccer side. So you were able to capitalize right away and use your reward to win first place in a contest, right? Was that the one, was he in the first place winning lineup you had? He wasn't in the first place winning lineup, but like he, he pulled a, a card for me, a super rare card. Yeah. Any card in the super rare division is absolutely incredible. And I mean, it was a perfect timing, right? Like, we had been talking about like how much we like Jake McCarthy, these young guys that hit the ball well, that play in the West, because as it turns out, Coors State Coors is a really easy place to hit the ball, mm -hmm. long, hit the ball often. And he was just stroking them all over the place. And it was really cool because I got it. And I think that we were talking before and you said, like, I'm playing him this week. I was like, you know what? I should put him in there too, because I have Christian Walker who hits right behind him. And together, Mini those steps, guys, baby me like 140 points together. I was like, this is just nuts. I actually was taking the advice of my co-host, my esteemed co-host, Chris, who has said, I don't really like full stacks. I don't think you want to stack five bats from the same team, but mini stacks are a good way to go. So I took that advice to heart and I played two diamondbacks, two brewers, and then a Met who was, and then my, my starting pitcher was Tywin Walker, the Mets. So I sort of had, you know, the offense defense combo there. And I, it was it worked out pretty well. I, I picked the right bats on the, these teams. I didn't have to worry about the duds. Not everybody on these teams crushed, but these guys did. It worked right. out pretty well. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's exactly it. That's pretty. Yeah. And I mean, I listen to the podcast all the time, guys. And Chris, I've started doing the mini stacks as well. Like I've been testing these things out and I love, I know you're a, a Braves fan. I've been, I've loved stringing together Matt Olson, Dansby Swanson, Ronald Acuna. And then as was one little stack there. And then I love putting together Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez Trippin's prize that he won. Like those two guys, like when things hit and they're on a hit at one point, it's like, you're going to absolutely blow up and have a huge week. And I just, 
I love those potent teams. The stacks are great. The Dodgers have another great one if you can get into it. I mean, it's hard to say no when you have Moogie Betts and Freddie Freeman just lacing. Really cool. It's it's I like that approach. I've started to switch up more with that, and I think that I use that in the Super Rare lineup, Chris, because I put that Diamondbacks little mini stack together, knowing that this could happen. So let's let's talk about your unique roster from last week because you had you were very close to winning unique, and I know you you had texted me and said uh, you hate the Braves because they kind of ruined your win in unique, and then you kind of what, what was your reward? So just tell us the whole story here about about that one. All right, so I don't know what the Statcast numbers actually said for my win percentage, win probability going into the ninth inning of the Braves and Seattle Mariners game, but I'm guessing it had to be like 99.9%. So I'm ahead in unique in the, there's only two people that can catch me. One has Julio Rodriguez, who's due up in the bottom of the ninth inning, but Seattle's up by four runs. So essentially the Braves need to go on a major rally, score four or five runs to allow Julio Rodriguez to come back up again. And of course they do. I'm like, well, okay, my closer, Kenley Jansen, is going to come in. He's just going to lock it down. Just as long as Julio doesn't get on base and he gets out, like things are going to be fine. And so what does Kenley do? He works like a full count on him and he throws a meatball, just an absolute meatball. And he just absolutely crushed it. I was like, well, there it goes. And so, but, uh, so yeah, he passed me. Like, what are you going to do about it? And of course, after complaining about the Braves to you, Chris, uh, my reward was, Again, one of my favorite players, so I can't really complain too much about the Braves, is Ronald Acuna Jr. And just, I love watching this guy. He gets on base when he's not striking out, and he steals bases like bad. And those guys are fun to watch. It reminds me of the days of Ricky Henderson for the Oakland A's. And I know our European probably isn't going to know who Ricky Henderson is. But I, after, winning, find out. Yeah, after winning Acuna Jr., watching him steal bases, I got on a YouTube fiend click kind of bait sort of situation there and i just started searching for ricky henderson highlights and man he just he stole bases like man like there were seasons like three in a row where it was like a hundred walks or something like that and a hundred stolen bases in three straight years which is just absolutely mad like you like i wow and those guys are just fun to watch it's a different type of baseball than today with the three true outcomes you know and for those of you that follow it the three true outcomes in baseball is basically either strikeout you walk or you hit a home run. And so there are some guys that are really great at this. And you look at these guys all over the place. And Ricky was not one of those guys. He just did everything. He was awesome to watch. And getting Acuna made me think of him right away, Chris. Yeah, it's a it's a good comparison. I mean, Ricky Henderson has the stolen base, the career stolen base record by a mile. Like yeah. everybody else is not anywhere close to him. You can go look at the standings. I don't know the exact numbers, but he is way, way, way past everybody else. Um, Acuna though, not just a stolen base guy, 2019, he had 41 home runs. Like he can be that 40, 40 type of guy. He was three bases away from going 40, 40 that year. That's absolutely absurd. And he hit 280. So like he, and he's only 24, like he's, he's only going to get better. He's not even in the prime of his career yet. Like good luck. Just watch out for this dude. I love it. Like it's, he is one of those guys that I said, if I win him, like, how could I ever possibly sell him? Like I can't, like he is just so unbelievably good and like i said i like those stolen bases guys so two of my biggest wins have been acuna jr and trey turner and they both love to steal bases mm-hmm. i mean jake mccarthy does this too these fast guys stealing bases they can hit for power it's awesome and oh yeah one little side story there on the unique <laughs> the dodgers i wasn't in the first in first place i had trey turner in that lineup and the Dodgers were killing, I think it was San Diego at the time. And they brought in a fielding position player to actually pitch the last inning. And he threw a meatball, like a batting practice meatball to Trey Turner. And he absolutely demolished it. I was like, wow, that actually put me ahead. So I guess it all comes through at the end. But it, it, just, it all kind of works itself out, you it, know, it, it all finds a way. Cunha's right in my lineup this week. Love watching it. I think so, that shows like, just like in so rare soccer, like, so where baseball kind of changes your loyalties. Yeah, you've never been a Braves guy, but now you have Ronald Acuna Jr. Super Rare that you won in a contest. You kind of find yourself a little bit more of a Braves guy than you used to be. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I'm a Yankees fan, born and raised in New York. And so he's Red Sox game. Like, I have Rafael, 
on the Boston Red Sox. I'm a Yankees fan. Like, I feel like I would be murdered if I'm flashing that out there in the middle of a Yankees game. I might have to get, you know, I'd probably use my DJ LeMahieu instead because <laughs> Yankees guy, man, Yankees. Well, so. if you don't, if you don't want to sell Ronald Acuna Jr., my offers are open. You can just give them to me. You know, I, I won't bother you with a payment back. So that way it'll, it'll be a little cleaner on your conscience. Um, within the range of possibilities, Chris, right? Wink, mm, wink. Never no. say never. Never hey. say never. Um, so speaking, speaking of offers and speaking of being able to do that now, we have a new uh, feature on SoRare, which obviously we've had on the football side for quite a while. Uh, there's now the notification bell, which I think is very important for having a secondary market. If you, you can get offers, which is great, but it was very hard. You had to like go in and look every single time you check SoRare to see if you had an offer. Now it pops up. Hey, you have an offer. Hey, you sold a card. Hey, you did this. Um, now it's all in one place. You don't have to constantly go in and check every single time. Uh, is this, does, does this really matter for the secondary market or is it, um, is it, you know, kind of crucial for the secondary market that people know that they have offers coming in, Bob? I, I love it. I mean, it's like, so this is the three of us started with solar soccer, right? So we're used to these things. We know what they are, but I can tell you one of the first things i do when i go on the site or i'm checking things out is i look up for a notification of what's actually going on and that immediately drives me to see what is placed and i list cards quite a bit because i'm trying to constantly churn and move things through and it's just it's nice to have it it's nice to know what's going on to be notified of all of these things and it's a it's not going to change the way the game works but it helps to actually stimulate the secondary market a bit because if you are on and you are paying attention to so rare, it's a visual indicator that something is going on. And as it turns out, when something is big and red on my computer, I am clicking it. Like, even, <laughs> like, like I'm still clicking it. Like can't avoid just, it. Yeah. Yeah. So. My OCD won't not let me click it. Um, what do you think? What do you think trip? And obviously a big thing, but this is something that has been on the soccer side for a while. Should we really make a big deal out of this coming out? Or is this just like what we should have been expecting the whole time? I think anybody who's a regular listener knows that I will say it's what we should have been expecting this whole time. But hey, it's a good thing. I'm done complaining about it. Everybody knows where I stand. But hey, this is good because it greases the wheels. It just, it makes things go faster. They're in, they finally, it took them forever to add trade offers and then they had trade offers but no notifications so it's like you didn't really know if you had a trade offer you had to get like your email on like a secondary platform etc so having the, the trade bell is nice and like i said it'll just it'll just make the market start flying a little bit faster and a little bit smoother it, it greases the wheels you're clearly way too happy from winning this competition you're, you don't <laughs> oh, have yeah enough. exactly i can't yeah. say anything bad about SoRare tonight life is good we're uh, just the, the community's growing. I, I feel really good about where, what we're doing with the podcast. Love talking to you. Love talking to Bob. So love talking to everybody that we've had on the show. And it, you know, I'm a winner. What can I say? <laughs> I'm feeling You're great. glowing. I'm at my peak. Yeah. <laughs> and You're literally glowing. When hard that you win hits a home run right before you start recording the podcast. So mm -hmm. exactly. You know? He's uh, he's in a lineup that is currently cashing. You know, currently in a reward position. So there you go. Yep. There you go. And yeah. that's and that snowballing effects of so rare like you do well you win some guys you win some cards put them in there and you keep churning out these cards you can start selling them and building your way up and it works and it's i mean this is what i did on the soccer side to start off with and chris you were there as i started on the limited side on soccer and you just you continue to work and you continue to grind and have fun doing it like that's really what it's all about right and yeah these are hanging fruit things as we would probably call them but they are ease of use and ease of life things that are pretty necessary you don't realize how necessary they are until you don't have them and i think that this was a interesting introduction to the, the baseball side of things and obviously there's a lot going on with cross-market trades and like how they would set that up on the baseball versus football and now with the upcoming basketball and all the stuff mm. that goes on yeah i don't it's see that happening anytime I, I don't think that they'll do trade a soccer card for a baseball card anytime soon probably not until they bring nba and also but i could be wrong there but that's that's how it feels uh, could you could you imagine trading a unique jose ramirez for a super rare killian mbappe or something like that i mean obviously they're nowhere near the same price but yeah. you know what it's just, that, that would start affecting values you know then then the full-time traders would have to add that wrinkle into their game it, it would uh, spice things up a little bit in the market for sure yeah, I think that would be really interesting. And you're talking about NBA coming on. 
to the market, we kind of gave our thoughts a little bit in our emergency episode last Wednesday. Um, they kind of dropped the bomb on us kind of out of nowhere. It was just a quick, instant reaction. It was also very late. So I don't know if it made sense to anyone except for me <laughs> tripping, but uh, it made sense to us. So we put it out there. Uh, I kind of want to get your take on it, Bob. First of all, you're going to play NBA. Are you an NBA guy? Secondly, um, what does this do for the baseball market specifically? Well, I mean, I have my basketball teams. I, I love my NBA. You know, I'm a, a Bucks fan, so I'll have to get a Giannis at some point, but I don't plan on going in big. It, it all really depends on, and you guys mentioned this last week, how the game is structured. It's basketball is truly different in the scoring aspects than baseball. So you really you have stat accumulators in basketball and the best guys really accumulate those stats. And so the low tier guys, the mid tier guys, and even the good players don't get anywhere close to them based on the length of time in the game week. The, what you run the risk of is that the superstars, they'll take load management breaks. And so what that basically means is they're just not going to play one game. And so it makes a guy like LeBron James or Anthony Davis not very good assets to buy. And what's hilarious, I actually posted a tweet the other day on one of our Discord channels of Anthony Davis. He is a great basketball player, center for the Lakers. And he was playing NBA 2K23, and he instantly hurt himself in the game. <laughs> it's so apropos. But, you know, as far as how it, like, I'll, I'll play a little bit, Chris. I want to see how comments go. I want to see how the game is set up. There are guys that I want to get, but I don't want to need to buy Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo and then Nikola Jokic and, you know, James Harden and Luka Doncic to be competitive every single game. Like that's, I don't want to have a money driven game like that. They need to really set up the game in such a way that you can do this. And that's why I think something like DraftKings works with a salary cap because you can. Mm -hmm. So I don't, they're going to set it up. It'll be interesting. I'll look at it. I'll get the commons. I'll probably buy a couple guys and play because I like it, but I'm not planning on spending a whole lot into it. And I mean, I think that Chris gets into your main question of like what I think it's going to do the MLB market. And honestly, I'm not a financial analyst. Uh, this is not financial advice as everyone on YouTube says, <laughs> but you know, I mean, realistically, some people will go over, like there, there will be some sort of effect. I would think that's, it's going to be hard to differentiate the effect on the baseball market versus the end of the season, as with the introduction of NBA. I don't know how you're going to separate the two factors other than a random poll that like four people are going to actually respond to because people don't check their fake email accounts when they set up these SoRare accounts. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, there may be some, there will be some movement because any change to a market has intrinsic changes to it overall. Like, like things are going to happen. It could go down a little bit. It could crash as you thought it might, Chris, but I don't think it's going to. I think long-term, baseball is the most sustainable game that SoRare has right now. And I say that because anyone can go in and win. And I mean, Dan showed with strategy in picking guys playing in good environments. You don't need to spend 10 ETH on a team to win All-Star Rare. Like anyone can win on any given week if you put a little time in and you figure out where you want to go. And I think that that is really unique with baseball because at the heart of it, and I've said this before, baseball is a random number generator. And so <laughs> mm -hmm. you hit it uh, some weeks and some weeks you don't. And, and that's okay. Like you don't need people like me or you, Chris, or you, Dan, or anybody winning every single week. I don't think that's great. I think that the number of people that can win. Oh, hey, I'll win every single week. I, hey, watch yourself there. I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer as tribute. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> Just buy Boba Shet at this point, right? <laughs> so, but no, I mean, I think it's long-term baseball is the most consistent and you have a chance. Everyone has a chance to win. You don't see a lot of repeat winners, but you see a lot of consistency with some of the galleries that go in there. Like, obviously, when you spend money like I have on there, you're buying guys because they are proving commodities. They're guys that hit a lot of doubles. They're guys that hit a lot of home runs. So there's a higher probability that someone like Kyle Tucker is going to do better than, you know, I don't even know. Anyone you know. in my gallery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, Kyle Tucker's a hot bat. He's, he's hot tonight as well, right? Him and Jordan but, are kind I of mean, trading there, back and there's forth. A, there's yeah. a reason for superstars. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And that's what I love about it. And, you know, 
there's just it's all a game of probabilities and you try to figure out your projections and i would recommend to anyone there are a lot of people on twitter and on youtube that do projections like follow some of those channels i know alex hooper our buddy he has he just did mm-hmm. his first pitch set up his somewhere first pitch accounts on twitter and does videos that he goes over some of his projections that stuff is invaluable when you're picking your teams if you have the ability to do so so you know it's all about and we've talked about this on the soccer side too chris it's all about the amount of time and effort you want to put into it and obviously having some money helps too so yeah yeah yeah, you've also called this again. You've also called this again a game for rich guys to flex on each other as well at the unique <laughs> level, Bob. I've heard you say that before. So that is that is true. I mean, listen, unique level is a whole other beast, honestly. And I am new to the unique level, and you know that. Like, I never really got into it you're, on the. You're winning your way there now. Oh, and like, well, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And you know, Chris and I were talking. You know, it's it's a small community, and. People that are up there are spending a lot of money. I mean, Mookie Betts went for something like 22 ETH or something like that, which is amazing. Well, I would love to have him. Like, that would be incredible. But, like, all I care about right now is I want to get a pitcher so that I can join the fray. And, like, and that's a big, big thing that I'm really hoping so rare can go out and actually send uh, information on the uh, forum request. Just, can you just, you know, put out more relief pitch? for unique auctions so that some people can join so it's not just like 10 people you know so, yeah. so the so you can get in cheap and just play the, well, the unique relief pitcher and a super rare stud uh, uh yeah. ace well but that but i mean that's part of the game right like, there's right. some competition when you require two uniques to play and one of them has to be a pitcher you have to put out enough pitchers on the auctions to allow more than 12 people to play Right. So you need more of them out there if you're going to cut off the one unique only. Hey, these so, guys, these guys just put the notification th- uh, bell up hmm. at the top at the top of the bar. So go, you know, go easy on. Them. They need they I, need a weekend off. I think and, and I do. I, I do. I do kind of see where, where Bob's coming from, because a lot of baseball and the thing that I guess, in my view, sets baseball apart from soccer. And we'll see about the NBA. But you really can move up the divisions by just winning, by just playing, because like. In, in soccer, you, if you're playing limited cards, most of the time you're winning limited cards. You're not moving up a division. Whereas when I won uh, my first super rare in the super rare competition, I think I started two, maybe three super rares. Now that was early on, so I have more now. But like, I mean, you can start four rare cards and win a super rare. You can, I mean, technically in rare pro, you could start three limited cards and win a super rare. You know, like it's, it's completely possible to do stuff like that. So... I, I I do think if you want that progression, you do kind of need to to keep it going. But I, this is and just kind of a a short term problem. Like we don't know how long that's going to last. Out. We yeah. take people need to be taking advantage of that while they can for sure because we don't know how long that's going to last. I would consider it sort of like a gift to early adopters and people who have spent early. Is that's what SoRare's kind of given us on the back end, which is the chance to upgrade scarcity through divisional play, and I love it. I hope it lasts for a long time, but it might be gone by the start of next year. We'll see. Well, I think the idea was to have like the rare pro, the limited pro be like the bridges where you can win higher cards with the rare scarcities. You can win super rares. Um, But even in the literature that they put out, they put out like limited. You would need five limiteds and two rares and rare. You would need four rares and three, three super rares. Like even in the literature that they have, they put out beforehand as just the general going forward. It was not all of one scarcity in in each lineup. Well, as of now, you can win a super rare card with limiteds in your lineup. Right. That's that, which that I think that'll be about. Is I'm not yeah. expecting that to last forever. That's kind of yeah. like a, a a bonus we have. No, I think the rare pro will eventually have like rares only, basically. These aren't bad super rares. Like, I want to let you know, the people that have won that tournament have won Paul Goldschmidt super rares, Jose Ramirez super rares. Yeah, like, these are best players in baseball that you turn around you can sell for multitudes on top of the, uh, the price of your gallery and even now even like as you start moving up to your point chris you can enter four rares and like if you're smart you're going to enter four rare division because you can aaron but you can afford an aaron judge rare you're playing aaron judge rare like you have to be right like you have the opportunity to build up and it's that snowballing effect and when it comes to like the unique side of things you just you need more people involved. I mean, I, I don't know if need is the right word. Like I would like to be involved in it. I don't want to be boxed out. No, that in those higher divisions, 
people are really smart about how they're doing it. And so if you know a lot about baseball and you can use your top end super rares to compete, you are a direct threat to people that have like full seven unique lineups. So it's a whole different dynamic and one that I quite honestly, Chris, don't understand. And I'm trying to get like a power education in it as fast as humanly possible. Mm. And I really like the fact that you can win up the ladder. I mean, I've won super rares in rare pro. That's yeah. Awesome. 100%. Can you tell me, Bob, what part of the learning curve was buying a unique pitcher and then selling that unique pitcher and then going on a podcast and complaining about how there's no pitchers? (laughs) (laughs) Just wondering. Just just break that down for me, please. Right, man. I was one of the people that had a pitcher. The issue, though, Dan, is starting pitchers start once every two game weeks. Like, that's okay. So I can play it for one game week out of two. And I, I bet on myself that I could, I basically sold them for twice of what I purchased them. I that, bought a, that's un- a big factor. I bought a unique of a guy that I really like a young cleanup hitter on a team that I like on the Brewers, Hunter Renfro. I bought his unique for half of that price that I sold my other unique starting pitcher for. And I still have that sitting in my bank, trying to figure out who I want to go after. And I trust myself to at some point be able to go in there and get one of those pitchers, sell some things that I have won and get a pitcher in there and actually start competing at that level. And for me, relief pitcher makes sense because they could quote unquote could play every single or as a starting pitcher, it's a zero or whatever they do, you know? And I just want to be involved because I trust the quality of my teams and my ability to look at projections and look at the matchups. I mean, damn, we talk about this. Like, am I starting, you know, Rafael Devers against three left-handed pitchers? He's a left-handed hitter. And they don't hit as well off of lefties. Like, is that a smart play in a hitter's in a non-hitter friendly ballpark? Like, these are things that I'm thinking about when I'm kind of creating this. And this kind of stuff that I'm saying, Chris, is why it's smart to try to keep me out of it. Those unique divisions, if you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, let, let's finish up basketball here a lot with, with one more kind of point. Cause I think oh, yeah. it's a, a, a big point that we need to, uh, to get to, um, how big a deal is it to have basketball on the platform as opposed to baseball? Like, w- was it a bigger get to get the NBA as opposed to the NBA from a casual fan, from a, you know, mass adoption standpoint, from a hitting that tipping point to where it's trending, and now everybody knows the name Sorare as opposed to just people that are on the game. Um, was was the NBA that tipping point that we're now going to start seeing just massive amounts of people in all the sports, in soccer, in baseball, in in basketball, kind of flooding onto the to the platform? Or is this just just another sport that we add on and it just keeps growing, but it's slow? I think that it was massive. I mean, I think the NBA is the sport in America that you want to go for. So the American market is obsessed with fantasy sports. And we see this in numbers from, you know, DFS, daily fantasy sports betting, and all of the stuff that goes on with it. And one thing that the NBA does very, very well is that they market and they advertise what they're doing very well. So you get on their Inside the NBA TV show with Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. If anyone, in, I mean, everyone probably knows those guys. Like they talk about these kind of things. They make references to it. And what I'm really talking about here is at one point, the main NBA NFT was NBA Top Shot. They were talking about it on SportsCenter and on these shows and guys were talking about it in interviews. And the NBA does a great job with this marketing, whereas MLB is not the best at marketing. So I think that there is a trickle-down effect. And once you start getting people in, a couple of them, a few of them, I mean, even if you get like one or 2% of them that come in for NBA that get into soccer or things are going to be good. Things are back in markets going to change what's going on and gives it more staying power as we go through. And I mean, it's just marketing is one of the things that we talk about a lot for Sower. And they, they have their billboards at the soccer matches. They have their, you know, highlights by so rare on MLB central on the MLB network, but those are all still niche kind of things that we're looking at with very, well, not very small, with smaller audiences. Whereas 
you get the most watched, one of the most watched sports in the world outside of football, of course, football, soccer, especially in the United States with the NBA, where people love it, where you have icons in the game that you love to watch, like the LeBron Jameses of the world. People love these guys and people watch these shows and they listen and they buy and they turn around. And we also have this pre-existing market of NBA Top Shot people that are, have been looking for a fantasy game. And we're going to get a lot of those people that come over. Some of them will feel burnt by the saturation of the markets that NBA Top Shot did. But some of them will come over and realize that the fantasy game is awesome as yeah. long as they make it awesome. And that's my big question, Chris, is what is the game going to look like? Because I don't want a game where I just I have to throw out 10 ETH to even be competitive. Like that's, And that's obviously wishful thinking. What I, what I want is something that's going to cause me to think about my lineups every single week where I just can't put in the five guys that are the best because that screws right. things. You need to be forced to put in non-starters or I don't even know how you can break it up because the NBA is relatively random. And with the NBA, you get late scratches all the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. guys go out there, warm ups, and they're just like, oh, I don't feel great. I'm going to go. You know, like, and these things happen. And so, I don't know. I mean, NBA is a great point. I mean, it's it's a fun product to watch. I love MLB. Like I said at the start, at the beginning of this, MLB is a great long-term project for SoRare. I think it has the most staying power with the randomness of the game. But more people we get in, the better it's going to be for everybody. It's obviously going to affect the markets. And for all of you in here new, like one of the things that we're always afraid about is change. Like, and no matter what happens to any of these games, all of these are new changes that are brought in. They're going to affect the market in one way or another. And what we, because we're experienced now with SoRare, the three of us at least, we have to trust essentially SoRare to manage the market so it doesn't crash on us. And it's one thing that I was really leery about when I started, but I've watched how they've handled their auction rates. I've watched how they've handled their market. They clearly have some market analysis going on and they kind of know what they're doing because we don't see the typical crashes you know and when we complain about well we got more cards i don't want my card prices to go down well realistically in the system if you buy at the very highest points things are going to go down you know you buy a Lionel messi for 10 eth and the market says he's only actually worth six you're out four eth like that's just what happens because the market dictates these things and you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I'm going to be part of it on the very small end, Chris. I don't know how involved I'll be, but I'll be, I'll be putting teams out there occasionally to see what happens. Nice. Well, and what about you, Trippin? I, I guess you've had, I guess, a week to kind of think about it and, and kind of analyze what you might go for. Uh, are you going to kind of pull back from baseball? Are you going to pull back from soccer? Are you just going to throw more in to play in VA? <laughs> Because I know you are a big NBA guy. What what's your what's your kind of overall plan here? As as we uh, we don't even have you know a start date or announcement yet, but we assume it'll be you know start of the season. Um, yeah. What's my, your kind of presumption? Plan? My presumption is the start of the season. Uh, yeah. I when it comes to me being a big NBA guy, it's tough to say. I I played NBA a lot harder on DraftKings back in my previous existence as a DraftKings every nighter. I played NBA a lot harder than I did MLB, but I'm actually just loving MLB uh, now here that in so rare. I've actually, it's actually brought me back to my MLB roots. And I don't know if anybody has even mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I actually won the rare pro division this past weekend. And so it's got me feeling really good about how things are going in MLB now. So, so who can really say what'll happen? Wait, but, wait, wait, rare uh, pro. You no, uh, rare, rare all-star, all rare all-star, rare all-star. Don't be Sorry. flexing ruined, like ruined that. my own joke, Re ruined my own <laughs> joke, but. We need so weird to talk about Jordan Alvarez bobblehead now. Like my yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. They need to send me one for sure. Hey, trophies, man. Let, let's make real world collectability part of this. Let's first prize. Yeah. Give me give me my first prize of like a, a, a Jordan Alvarez action okay. shot. Wait, let's do this, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, just to answer your question, Chris, I will probably play NBA. It's going to depend on the game structure. I know that they have the ability to put some type of like cap on l5s just like they do with so underdog soccer and that might need to be built into the mainstream game it, it, a sort of salary cap mode as bob alluded to i do think that it it should be fun 
I think that the top shot stuff is right on. I'm glad you said the same thing that we were saying last week, Bob, which is just like the built-in audience of top shot, knowing that there's a, what an NFT is and what crypto is a little bit more in the NBA space than MLB can only help, but, uh, rocket fuel the launch i think of the of the nba product when it comes and i think it's going to be coming soon and i i want the only only thing i would say is there is a lot more chance that nba users who might come to so rare for nba they're a lot more likely to spill over to mlb than soccer users i think you you know we've we have our friends people that we know that are hardcore so rare players that have really enjoyed getting into baseball. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, and, and I, it's beautiful when it does, but I'm not sure that there's been a mass adoption of MLB players over there in Europe, and I don't think it's necessarily sweeping the the uh, the airwaves or, or <laughs> over there in Europe yet. So I think that if basketball takes off and has a huge launch, that bodes really well for MLB. 100%. And I think soccer will come, more soccer players will come to the NBA than came to MLB. Um, so I think the NBA is going to be, I think it's going to be massive. I think it's going to have a ton of users. And I think a lot of that is going to kind of spill over into baseball. I'm not sure. I, I haven't really thought about how the NBA affects the soccer market. If we get some, some splashback of NBA players coming in to Sower and then getting into the soccer market, that's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting topic, maybe for another time. You can't um, hurt. But it's, it, it, yeah, I mean, I think maybe you get some of that, but with it being such an American audience, I don't think many of them will be big soccer fans. But being an American audience, they will probably have at least some knowledge of baseball. So they may, you know, prefer baseball over soccer uh, oh. for the for the guys coming in. And one thing, Chris, like a lot of people that come over and play this game already, like are gamblers at heart. So you see a game where you can win more money, like people are going to give it a try. Mm-hmm. That's t- we're actually seeing that a lot with the baseball side yeah. with Europeans just to give it a go. And what, like I see more tweets from Europeans. Like I know nothing about baseball, but I'm winning and absolutely loving this. I'm learning the game. Go. And so it's teaching people the game as well. And like, you're going to get some of that crossover and you're going to find new fans, new teams to follow. It's going to be a good time. And I think that this, is helping to make so rare that like global phenomenon and like sports energy that they want to be. Well, I think that was my concern for the baseball side of things was I think maybe too many people came over from soccer just because it was something else or was doing and they just wanted to give baseball a go and they don't really have any deep connection to baseball. And now with the NBA, I think those people will have a deeper connection to the NBA that's baseball. And my concern is that they would pull it, pull all their stuff out of baseball and then go play the NBA because they just wanted something else so hard to do. Um, it, and it may be right. Like they may be winning enough in baseball to where they just kind of add on to the NBA. Uh, they don't pull out of baseball. Hopefully that happens because that'll obviously help the market a little bit more. Um, but I, I know the, the NBA is much bigger in Europe. And you've talked about having guys who don't really know anything about baseball kind of learning the game whereas a lot of them do already know basketball so they don't have to learn the game mm-hmm. um so i think that would obviously be a big big boost for the nba and how that affects baseball uh you know really know so getting back to baseball and kind of in kind of uh i guess roster building scouting whatever you want to call it um we talked a little bit about you know you have a bunch of super rares and you only have at this point, you don't have a unique pitcher, so you can't enter unique. You only have one lineup that you can put your super rares in, but you were telling me before the show, you're like two, three deep of really, really good super rares at each spot. How does, how do you, how do you balance having, you know, obviously very elite players, um, but having almost too many where you can't throw all of them into a lineup. Like you have to, you have to pick one or two to bench each week um how do you balance that versus you know collecting ethan moving up to the to to unique in this case um but even just for a smaller account you know having too many limiteds to where you there's only two limited lineups you can enter um how do you balance having enough of those guys versus moving up to rare and, and trying to get into rare i mean it's for me i know baseball i've been involved with baseball for most of my life and so I am looking and I'm talking to a lot of people that help figure out what are the best matchups, what are the best approaches to take. And I mean, like Trippin and I were talking earlier in the week about our Diamondback stacks and why we need to use them. And stuff like that, like reaching out to the community really works. Like I said before, 
Alex Hooper, FSI, first pitch, like he does actual projections leading into each game week. Those things help massively if you have those players. And so I am making tough decisions every single week, Chris. And I can tell you what, you know, like Murphy's Law, like whatever choice I make is going to be the wrong choice. That's just inevitably mm-hmm. what happened. You know, I mean, and there's a whole bunch of bunch of ifs and what's when it comes into it. You're, but, you're too humble, Bob. You're too humble. Come on. You know you're winning cards. You know, you know this, Dan. Like, we, we try to figure out who we're going to bench. Like, I mean, I bench yeah. Ian at the time, and whenever I do, he hits home runs. He just Yeah, mad. of course. You always remember the choices that don't work out more than you do remember the choices that do, for sure. Yeah, I tell you what, man. Like, swapping Ian Happ out, I, I swapped somebody out for Jake McCarthy last week, and that one move won me a card. So we don't talk about those very mm-hmm. often. With that swap out, it ended up allowing me to push like Kyle Tucker into my unique division, which my unique division won a reward as well because Kyle Tucker hit a home run. Like these things all have a daisy chain effect on it. But to your question, Chris, I just try to figure out who the best matches matchups are and what I'm looking at. And there are Twitter accounts like Robbie. I don't know what his full t- Twitter tag is. And he puts some stuff out there. Yono say soccer put stuff out there that actually has like who the best matchups are for batters and hitters. And I take those into my calculations when I'm thinking about it. And then when I have an actual decision between the players I'm going to use, I will even break it down to who's in the better hitters ballpark, who is facing lefty, lefty, righty, righty, who's facing the opposite armed pitcher. Because as it turns out, these things matter in baseball quite a bit. And that's Mm -hmm. all about, recognition of the ball coming out of someone's hand because as it turns out as a left-handed hitter when a pitcher pitches that's a lefty you can't pick up the ball as quickly because it shades behind your hat and your head as you go through there so you're not seeing the seams come through so it's hard to identify it's there's a split second delay in identification of a pitch sometimes and that makes a world of difference when it comes to baseball and so you don't see this on the right-hand side because you can actually see the ball the entire way through so you can see the grip you can identify there are actually statistical differences between the two. And I mean, we just look at a guy like Onel Cruz. He doesn't hit lefties very well. And he sat the first game of this week because he doesn't hit lefties. Rowdy Tours can't hit lefties to save his life, but you put him up against righties and he'll mash home runs. So these things do matter. And this is kind of how I figure out who to pick. And, you know, sometimes I do it correctly, Chris. Sometimes I don't. (laughs) And end of the day, we just kind of look at it. We figure out, you know, where did I make my mistakes? And like, why did I make that mistake? And I always go back and I look at why did I make that mistake? Like, what was the decision that was it a good decision? Did I just forget to set my lineups like Trippin did one week? You know? (laughs) (laughs) There's some shade going back and forth. Oh, man. I needed to rest for a week so I could win (laughs) after that. Okay, so I get the highest score in history. Heck yeah, man. But yeah, that's Mm. how I like, and I try to find projections. Like I go on fantasypros.com and see who the like Roto League fantasy stars are that they're projected to have the biggest weeks. And then I kind of try to figure out if that's going to translate over to so rare, you know? And yeah, I do. I do the same thing, Bob. I, my, I, I use number fire as my projections go to, although I do c- compare it with a few other sites too, but I usually trust number fire. And I, I think it's huge to find a site that you feel comfortable with or, a, a content creator support support the so rare baseball youtube community there's a there's a robust so rare football youtube uh world out there and the baseball world is, is just us and a few other people so you know let's, yeah, let's support man. each other when i get lost chris if i really don't know i just ask miguel i'm like who should i pick <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's like well <laughs> miguel always knows the right answer that's why we have him on so often yeah and uh, he's good at explaining to- the reasoning why as talk- well Talking about righty lefties too, that that's a big, de- big deal for some guys. Like some guys are lefties that just absolutely cannot hit a left-hander. Whereas some guys, it doesn't really matter. Some guys have very even splits between, you know, whether they're facing a righty or a lefty. So know your own player, right? Know if your guy has a weakness against lefties or if your guy has a weakness against righties, because it, it can happen the reverse way as well. Um, so I think that's really, really important. Now, Trippin, when you're, uh, we're talking about building teams and building, uh, and scouting people, how do you take into account injuries? How do you, cause obviously injuries are more prevalent, I think in baseball than in, in soccer and definitely longer term, I want to say injuries, um, to where they're, they're out for a month or out for a month and a half, two months, something like that. How do you deal with that? How do you, you know, have guys on your, on your bench that are injured? How do you, 
um, replace guys that are that are injured? And then how do you treat maybe guys that you want to acquire that are injured right now? Because I know Bryce Harper's just come back from the DL uh, or from the IL, excuse me. And uh, I know Ozzy Albies is doing his rehab assignment, so he'll be back pretty soon. How do you, how do you, if you want to go and buy one of these guys, when is, you know, when's the right time to pull the trigger? I think it's good to buy injured guys. I think you should, it's just like soccer is, is buy them when right before everybody else thinks about buying them, if that makes sense. So if a guy's on the 60 day, 60 day injured list, do you want to start keeping tabs around 30 days into that and, and maybe be willing to pull the trigger a little early, sacrifice some early utility on the purchase to get the better price and then know that it'll pay off in the end. Speaking of, if anyone wants to come by my Tim Anderson, no, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, uh, but no, I I do know what it's like. Tim Anderson was like the one my biggest card that I invested in. It was the the he was my most expensive purchase for a while, and mm-hmm. he was producing for a few games, but he's been hurt bad, and it, it sucks. And it's just a matter of waiting for him to come back. And then in Bob's case, just next man up and and plug and play one of your other elite studs in there. I'm I'm still working on that aspect of it. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier when you have a ton of depth. Um, so uh, I guess we should explain for people that maybe aren't as familiar with baseball. There's a 10-day D- day IL and a 60-day IL. Uh, there's slight differences with the roster construction that don't really matter for us, for our sake. Um, but basically, if you're on a 10-day, you have to stay on it for at least 10 days, but you can also be on it for longer than 10 days. Uh, so that's a minimum time that you're going to be out. Same thing with the 60-day IL. Uh, you have to stay on it at least 60 days, but you could be out longer than that. So you want to check and see, because a lot of times with baseball, they have more more accurate projections as to when they'll be back as opposed to soccer. Um, so it, it, it is a, a situation where a guy may go on the 10-day IL and they expect him to be out 30, 35 days. You know? um, he's not going to be out long enough to be on the 60-day IL, which is good but he's still going to be out longer than 10 days. So you you can kind of tell, especially if they're out for an extended period of time, they'll do what's called a rehab assignment. Well, they'll go down to the minor leagues, play a few games that don't really matter for them um, so that they can just kind of get back in the swing of things and, and get their swing back and that kind of thing uh, before they actually come up. So when I talk about Ozzy Albies is on his rehab assignment, he's been out for, I don't know, two, three months. I, I feel like he's missed most of the season. And he's now playing with their minor league team to get his swing back so that he can come up, you know, within the next, I'd say week or so, uh, he'll, he'll be back up with, with the, uh, with the big Braves. So that's something that you want to pay attention to. If you see a guy is starting his rehab assignment, that means his return is mm-hmm. pretty imminent, right? He, he's going to be back probably within a week or so. Um, so I think, I think that's something that we definitely want to, uh, to point out to people as far as, uh, as looking at injuries go. Um, now let's talk, talk a little bit about, and this was something that Bob had brought up, um, which I think is, is an interesting kind of conversation. And I guess we'll get your opinion first here, Chirpin, as far as the, the, the starting pitchers pitching on the last day of a game week, I know some people don't like to do it. Yeah. Some people, some people are fine with it. I personally have not really been paying attention to that, but I did get burned this past week with it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a situation where, you know, anything can happen to baseball. You can get scratched, uh, which means you completely skip your start, or you can have something like a rain delay, which just pushes you back one day. But if it's the last day, then it's, it's kind of like, you know, your SOL for that week, you can start them the next week, but you've just taken a zero during this current game week. So I guess what's, what are your, what are your kind of thoughts or views on this as far as uh starting, starting pitchers? Um, that are going to be pitching on the last day of the of the game week. It's definitely risky, but you can't really base your lineup building on fear necessarily. It's something to take take note of. If your starting pitcher is on the third, the final game of a game week, yeah, there's a chance that a rain delay even the day before could push your guy back, and then you'd be kind of screwed. It has happened to me, but it's tough to plan for. I did think about it this past weekend when I was building my lineup, my main one. I was like, do I put Taiwan Walker in? He's pitching on Sunday. If there's a rain delay, he could get bumped or something like that. But I said, no, he's he's just – there was no other one that matched his his great matchup in my mind. So I stuck him in there. If it was in all things – if it was between two guys who I considered truly equal plays, and I was like – well, it could really be either one of these guys. Then I might lean towards the one whose start is scheduled for earlier in the game week because there's that little extra bit of safety. But, yeah, you can't build in fear. You can't worry about what might happen. You can check the forecast, I suppose. Uh, it, it is worth, I guess, like looking to see if there's 
forecasted rain, then, then, you know, you're making a little more informed decision. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I've never checked the forecast for another city before. So that's a little more in depth than I've ever gone. Uh, but it's an interesting discussion or an interesting idea. Cause you're right. It doesn't even have to be the last day of the game week that you're, that you get the rain delay. If you get a rain delay on say Tuesday, it's going to push the wind as Wednesday starter back and the Thursday starter back. So mm-hmm. uh, you're going to, you're going to end up with a, you know, kind of losing out if you have rain kind of any day that week. But I and think there's another right. way it can burn you right that happened to Bob this weekend. Yeah. No, I think you're I think you're kind of right though, as far as you know, not letting it not letting your not setting your lineup out of fear. Because 80 to 90 percent of the time, you're gonna be fine, right? 80 to 90 percent, you're you're still gonna get that start. Um, so if you trust your if you trust your matchup and you trust your pitcher a lot more, I think that's a that's a really interesting way to uh to go ahead and set your lineup there. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's very interesting to uh, to kind of think about and, and plan out. And like you said, I think you kind of use it as a tiebreaker almost to where you, uh, if you're not too sure on one pitcher or the other, maybe that's that's kind of the tiebreaker is who's starting a little bit earlier on in the week. Or even, I know some, some fields are indoor, right? Like Miami's indoor, right? Don't they play inside? No, no, no. They have uh, uh, they have a roof. They have a retractable roof. Okay. Sorry. Like I started Arizona. About, I started thinking Arizona about Inter-Miami. I started th- thinking about no, uh, no. Drive Pink Stadium instead of uh, Marlin Stadium. My fault. No. Yeah, they, they have a retractable roof, so they are not going to have as many rain delays or any rain delays, you would hope, if you're inside. But the Spurs had a rain delay once when they were inside. That's a fun story. Um, <laughs> Chase Field in Arizona has has a roof. So if, you're, if your pitcher's starting in Arizona, you're pretty safe to – to go ahead and start them even if it's the last week whereas if it's you know pittsburgh we have horrible weather here and pnc is outside so the pirates end up having a ton of double headers and they end up having a ton of you know rain delays or 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 the like um and one thing that you can't really can't really account for you can't really plan for um but that you can have you can start the game and then have a rain delay and your pitcher which I, did that happen to you uh, Trippin, or was that Bob that it happened to? That uh, that, was our, that was our boy Bob. Yeah, yeah. He had a he had a pitcher who started the started the game. I think it was Aaron Nola, Austin Nola, Aaron Nola, Aaron. Nola, Aaron, yes. Aaron is the pitcher. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he had Aaron Nola start the game, pitch two innings, and then there was a four hour rain delay. You're not going <laughs> back out there after four hours. You're, yeah, you're I was. I was. So. I was messaging Bob. He was like, "I need Nola to come back and be a monster," and I was like. Dude, I don't know. It's been kind of a long delay. I, I'm not sure if he's going to come back. He's like, no, he'll come back. He's like, why wouldn't he come back? And I was like, four hours is a long time, man. I don't know. But uh, yeah, when it when it came time to resume, Nola was nowhere to be found, unfortunately. How did it feel, Bob? Nola bothered me. But <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's rain. I mean, what are you going to do? Not much yeah. you can do. You know, yeah. it's a question how you're going to pitch those guys. But I'm not a meteorologist. I can't figure those things out. Do you, do you check forecasts at all, or do you just not even care? I don't. I should. But, uh, guys, I do got to go, unfortunately. Okay. So, Not a problem. Well, we appreciate the time and uh, and you getting in here and everything, and we will uh, talk to you guys again soon. All right. Sorry, guys. Have a good one.